0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown, back once again with Jugsy and Chadzy to talk about a disappointing performance and and disappointing result uh, against Newcastle away from home. A real good chance for Villa to uh, get some good, much needed points and and move up the table, Uh, but it wasn't to be a late equaliser and a late flurry of goals really in an otherwise pretty tepid affair. Chadzy your thoughts on the on the game a couple of days after now um, had some time to think about it uh, would what, you make it at all
1: yeah it wasn't great was it it was um, a pretty poor performance all round really um, I think I was a bit surprised at the team selection I'm sure we'll come on to that but the midfield there was not enough creativity ingenuity in a game that we were gonna hopefully have the majority of the ball um, Holly Watkins didn't have his best night for all his running and all his effort. He he was uh, definitely not at the races with the ball at his feet. Um, but you know his effort went on to be rewarded in a way by getting a bit of luck with with the goal and the own goal from Clark. But yeah, it's a it's a sticky patch for us. You know the last five or six performances have been have been below par. Uh, we've definitely plateaued. We're definitely struggling to find. That creativity and, and create chances without Grealish in the team. I don't think Traore's injury helped. I'm quite confident that he, if he'd stayed on the pitch, we probably would have had enough to get get that goal a bit earlier and maybe go on and dominate the game. But yeah, without without Grealish on the pitch, I'm not sure a midfield of um, Ramsey, McGinn, and Louise is enough really, especially with with Trezeguet on the field and, and Traore going off to. To create the opportunities for Watkins, and um, it's something that yeah we're in development phase, aren't we? It's something we're going to have to work on. We can't rely on on Jack to come back in the team and and be flying straight away. So we are going to have to find a way. Um, but it's you know it's all part of the journey. It's your team can't be in great form all the time, and um, I'm sure that Smith and the players and everyone at the club know that we're not playing well and will be working and, and trying to find ways to go again. Cause every single time this team is, or, and this manager has been doubted, they've, they've proved people wrong. So, um, yeah, let, let's see how we get on between now and the end of the season. But, um, it, it definitely wasn't, it definitely wasn't great viewing on Friday night.
0: Juggsy, Chad, mentioned the, the starting lineup there, we, we talked beforehand, uh, on our WhatsApp group about, about the starting lineup. And, uh, quite a surprise inclusion of Ramsey considering Sanson had a, had a fairly good game against Wolves. So were you surprised that Ra- Sanson didn't start and also were you surprised Barkley didn't start given the lack of creativity in the side? Yeah, I think um, it was an odd decision and
2: um, I think what what was worse of all was that Ramsey was asked to play as an eight, which, which didn't make sense because uh, the whole point of having Ramsey in the team is he replaces Barkley when we want to go with a number 10, but he offers a bit more defensively. So I I found the decision quite odd because I thought Santon and McGinn were good against Wolves, but I think you're going to take each game on its merit and I thought we went into the game with the wrong mentality. I mean, we're a side in the top 10. Newcastle are out of form. Um, So regardless of how bad we're we're playing, we need to go and try and attack that game and and win the game really. So I was expecting Barkley to play because that was a perfect opportunity where he's up against the likes of Shalvey. He's not going to have sort of runners tracking him back. He's going to have a bit more time on the ball and he's got that quality in the final third. And I think with Ramsey, he's surprised us against Leeds and he, he was a perfect player for that type of game where he needed somebody mobile, winning them 50-50s, uh, giving us a bit more sort of legs in, in midfield. But he's 19 years old. He's not technically... Um, in terms of being on the ball uh, at that Premier League level yet, yeah, he's going to take time, It's going to take him a season or two. So it's a lot to ask for him to be that creative threat in midfield, especially when you've got John McGinn, who's probably not in, in great form and his passing and creativity is probably a bit wayward at the minute as well. So I just found that a bit bizarre, especially when, you know, Al Ghazi's not, not fit enough to start. You've got Trezeguet on the pitch and obviously without Jack, so you got to look around the team and think who's going to create these chances and it would have been reliant on Troy or Watkins to really do something so again I thought it was a bit of a, a negative mindset by Smith um, and yeah I mean the performances of late uh, haven't been great it was a perfect opportunity for us to put that behind us and try and go out there and, and put on a good performance and get a good result and we just Played without any confidence, we weren't able to string any passes together, and it just felt like the system didn't work. The players weren't on the same wavelength, and without Watkins's sort of hard work in the final third, we really struggled to to keep hold of the ball. And yeah, you mentioned Torres' um, injury probably didn't help things, and just just highlighted the the lack of depth. In, in our team really and the lack of quality so it's something that we've been mentioning over the last few weeks anyway really but it just all came to 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 um to, well in, in that game it all just came it came into it where we just realized without jack we aren't the team uh, well we aren't as good a team as as we all think really and we still need investment we still need new players and we still need uh, additional quality to bring into the squad so it was disappointing because when you do go a goal up, um, we have been able to see, see see games out, but I think it was a blessing in disguise because I think if we had won that game one 0 we probably would have masked over the performance, and that would have been such a um, a highlight of what, what went wrong. Really, so I think long term, we might might be a better thing for us.
0: Jazzy, a few points there raised by Juggsy. Um He talked about McGinn. Uh, I thought again, McGinn was really poor, uh, and highlighted you know the, the the fact that none of the players are stepping up. Or in Jack's absence, and how we do need to that additional quality in midfield, but also that formation change. To, again, going back to the four through three, which doesn't really work for us anymore. Do you, I mean, do you think Smith went in with the wrong mindset? Do you think he should have been a bit more attacking and uh, and 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 also, what what do you make of McGinn's lack of form recently?
1: Yeah, I think um, I would have liked to have seen Sanson or Barkley play a bit further at the pitch from the start and and take the game to Newcastle and. and you know, really, um, really sort of enforce ourselves on them. When we played them at home, it was men against boys. They're they're not a very good side, are they? You know, Jack even said during the game, "Come on, lads, these are shit. Let's just keep the ball moving." And at the end of the day, they're they no better than they were when we played them a few months ago. And I know uh, we keep we keep referring back to having no greenish, but that's an even that's the reason even more why we would want Barkley or Sanson or someone more creative on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't agree with the team selection. But um, I think without somebody more more attacking and more creative midfield, we're too reliant on John McGinn then to come forward and, and try and create. And it's just not a natural part of his game. His end product in the final third is and has been for quite a long time now. Poor. Now I'd have him in my team every single week because he does so much more for us. But when you're asking him to be the one creating and um, scoring goals, creating goals, it, it just doesn't doesn't come naturally to him. And the amount of times he chips the ball aimlessly into the box, or overhits a cross, or or drags a shot um, is 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 frustrating. But it's not not the reason he's in the team. So. Um, yeah, I, I said a few weeks ago that maybe it's time to just take him out for a bit because you can't rely on somebody just to continually put in that sort of effort for 38 games in the world we're living in at the moment. And then he he turned up against Wolves and was probably one of our best players. So, um, yeah, McGinn hasn't been great recently, but I think that's just he's just a reflection of everything from uh, midfield onwards. Nobody's really shining out at the minute. Nobody, nothing's really clicking. And uh, that happens in sport, you know we'll find our mojo again and um, all of a sudden individuals and collectively will will start picking up. But um, it's a sticky patch for, for McGinn and subsequently the midfield.
0: Yeah, it really is. We, we can't seem to get that balance right at the moment, can we, in the midfield. We seem to be changing players and personnel and shape in that midfield all the time. A real backbone of why we were so successful early on in the season was we had a consistent team selection, consistent formation, and everyone knew what, what their roles were really. Uh, a bit like West Ham are doing and why they're doing so well. Everyone knows their roles, everyone knows the way that we're playing and it's almost become second nature. And I think since COVID, that's completely changed. And obviously Jack coming out of the side, end of the day, you know, Jack is our work our only world class player and any team would miss him. And you, know, you take Fernandes out of Man United's team, you take uh, you know, any, 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 any top player from any top team, uh, you know, they're gonna miss him. Uh, and you know we are we haven't got anyone up to the same standard. Obviously, Barkley was born into to be that player to obviously play alongside him, but also be that player if Jack is missing that he can step up and he's he's of a similar level. But it's just not working out for Barkley, is it at the moment? Because he's again he comes on. Obviously, it's difficult to come on and make a massive impact, but he comes on again second half and Wayward passes after Wayward passes. Uh, still creates a couple of chances for our players and it looks threatening in the final third, but, you know, still making those passes, still making those wrong decisions. I mean, is there any way back for him now, uh, uh, Villa, or do you think that's, that will probably be his loan spell done and then he'll, he'll be back off to Chelsea and we won't be signing him again? Oh, sorry, looking to sign him permanently even.
2: It really depends on Barkley, I think. It depends on how much he wants it, really. He just feels like he's not putting the extra yards in. Um, he was, yeah, really lazy on the ball and... It's difficult when you when you're a sub and you're coming on um to get up to the tempo of the game, but I mean, just basics, I mean controlling the ball, making a, a pass to your own teammate was what were you struggling with, so never mind anything else. So it really comes down to Barker's desire, and it's a question mark he's had throughout his career really, is like how much does he want it? Is he like Jack Grealish where he's gonna put the the extra sort of steps in in training and get himself to uh, a great physical condition? Um, it's a chance for him to play for a big club you know i mean villa is not a a massive step down for him i would say um so why not sort of take this opportunity he had a good start to his career and he's still got a chance i think i would never write him off because we've seen he's got the uh, ability it's just whether he's got the application i think and um yeah just to mirror on um i think with the subs as well i thought we got it completely wrong. And I know it's difficult when Troy gets off injured and we we lose a sub, but the Sanson sub for me was pointless. Why not put Barkley on instead of Ramsey, play him as a number 10? And then you've got the option of bringing Keenan Davis on. So at the end of the day, um, in that second half, we ended up playing a four four two 4 2 with a diamond and El and Watkins up front, which d- didn't work with El up front. Now, I know it's something I I, I call for in the last pod where I said, look, we need to change formation, but you've got to use the players to change that formation. So you can't just put a winger as a striker, especially Algarzi, who probably isn't physical really at holding the ball up, or um, was probably a bit more of a threat on that left hand side than any of our other players really. So again, Christian Marks in, in terms of game management and. I thought the whole sort of performance was unprofessional. That's how I describe it. And I thought that started from Smith in terms of his team selection and how we, the mentality set out the team. And I thought Mings' performance captured that as well. I thought he really struggled. And you know, I mean, everyone's do uh, can can be do sort of a bad game, or you've got to give him the benefit of doubt because that's Mings's probably worst game of all season, really. So, but I think one thing I can't can't ignore really was things like how we didn't see that game out, game management. And I think I've got to put sort of point the finger at Al Ghazi. I thought he had two or three opportunities in the last five minutes to either finish the game off with a chance where he had one-on-one and he took it on his right foot when he should have took it on his left foot. And twice, he had a chance to clear his lines. Once, he gave a foul away, which, again, they could have scored from. But the second where their goal came from, I mean, he tried to lay off a pass to John McGinn rather than just clearing it out. And others thought that was unforgivable for me because... That's the sort of mentality where Al Ghazi, I've defended a lot, and I, and I back his ability, and he's a, a decent squad player. But things like that really annoy me because you've just got to know you've, you've got to put your body on the line, you've got to give everything for the shirt, and things like that. It's just, it's just, it's just, you know, what I mean, basics where you know it's also, a also, minute to also go. Also
0: him, also him trying to, also him uh, pretending to go, wanted to come off when he when we didn't have any subs left. And, and then being yeah. fined completely completely fine yeah. afterwards.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that to be honest. I thought he looked okay to me but he didn't look yeah fully fit in the last five, ten minutes so maybe he did have a knock so we're giving the benefit of the doubt with that but he's got to clear his lines or someone's got to shout to him to clear your lines or something and I thought oh we're playing there I know it's the first time we did it but I think that was coming because against Southampton we rolled our luck and we didn't manage that game out well, where we still had three or four players high up the pitch and they had two or three good chances they had a goal dis- disallowed because of a arm sleeve being offside. So that that goal was coming really. And I know we've managed games out in the past, but I think that just summed up the last couple of months for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, some good points there. That diamond formation you mentioned there, Jugsy. I, I didn't really get that. I know we've called for changing changing how we play or just trying to do something different during game in game management, but it was, it was more the subs. If you're going to do 4-4-2, then surely you go with Davis and Watkins up front. Uh, with the with Barkley at the tip, but I, d- I don't really know what what, what was going on. I, I just don't think it was well managed by Dino. And you know, it's, it's a one off, isn't it, chadzy I think it's a. Uh, I said this on uh, uh, previously on, on on the Villa View a couple of days ago. I said that there's there's two perspectives to look at. There's the short term and there's the long term. Short term, there's a lot of issues. Uh, there's a concern around squad depth. There's a concern around what, what we're like without Jack. And there's a concern around sort of. uh <laughs> Dino's sort of tactical inflexibility at times and, and his ability to uh, influence gains, but long-term, you know, we're ninth in the table, we're a few points behind Liverpool with the game in hand. We've got games coming up against Everton and, and Spurs, you know, two games each against them. That could really make a massive difference in terms of where we finish the season and we're heading in the right direction under these owners, aren't we, do, do you know, think longer term?
1: Yeah. The owners and the manager, like I said at the start, longer term. Every single time we've, every single time we've plateaued, we found a way to go again. You know, Dean Smith came in and we were bottom half of the championship. We had a good start. Teams found us out a bit and we plateaued. We had a bad spell. People were booing off Con- Conor Horahan at, at the Albion game. And it looked like we had no chance of going up. We found a way to go again. We won ten games on the trot, and we got promoted. We got into the league. Um, we struggled. And we looked out of our depth at times. We plateaued, but then we found a way to go again after the restart, and we stayed up. Now we've found a way to progress ourselves into the top half of the league. So it, since, since the Dean Smith joined the club, we've continually evolved, continually improved, and we're just going gradually, step by step. And that is never going to be a smooth upward curve. There's always going to be downturns in form, downturns in performance. And as long over, as long as over the longer-term period, we find a way to go again. We find a way to overcome these blips. Find a way to push through and um, yeah, find a different way to play. Then all the evidence suggests that we're gonna we're gonna be able to do that again. So to go from seventeenth in the table to ninth or tenth is superb, um, a superb progress. But yeah, without doubt, we've now sort of plateaued at that level, and it's time to time to see if we can go top eight, top seven at some point in the near future. So. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that um they will find a way. Under these owners we've got we've got the opportunity to further invest in the squad and I think that's something they will clearly do in the summer. And I trust Langer, I trust Smith, I trust his team to be able to identify what we need to to kick on. Uh, just going back to the Barclays point around um you know, Juggsy said it's down to Barclay. I I'd completely disagree. I think Smith's lost trust in him. You know, if he's not going to be playing him over the last four or five weeks, I think the incident where he came off the pitch and kicked the water bottle at the time, it wasn't a big deal. But I just I just get the feeling that there's something not quite right between Bark and Smith. And you want a lone player to come and really want to prove himself and, and want to earn that contract. And it seems to me that Smith's given up on him already, and that's his privilege to do so. And, and I back Smith, that's the right decision for me. If if he's not getting enough from him in, in training all the games, um, so I, I can't imagine uh, Barkley will be a Villa player in August. No, I don't think so.
0: I think I think for the money that Chelsea will want, there's, there's better out there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just Barkley's career story, isn't it? Really, I think uh, flashes of brilliance with uh, sustained periods of of average, basically, um, and, that, and that's what we've seen at Villa. You know, he's had he's had some really good gains and really good moments, but. He struggled for long periods of time, and, and it's not just not good enough given the value that you given you know given his experience, given where he's been at his level, how he's perceived, it's just not good enough. And and you know we need players like him McGinn, to to step up when Jack's missing, and the, and neither of them have really. And I do think McGinn gets a a bit of a free pass from fans. And I think we've we've discussed this before. You know, Barkley's getting a lot of crap, and, and 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 rightly so. But at the same time, I don't think McGinn's been any better. And I think with McGinn. It's a, it's a number of things. One is obviously his cost. You know, he costs, what, one and a half million pounds. So he's always going to be perceived to be a, an amazing signing, which he is. Uh, but also I think his effort and work rate, you know, he's he's tenacious. He keeps going at it. I've said it before. He's a bit like James Milner. When things aren't going right for him, he still works hard. And I think f- fans value that. But at the same time, his lack of quality and his lack of touch, his lack of control, his lack of final third ability is, is some of his passing you know, it's been really, really poor for a long period of time and, and, you know, you do need his energy in the team, but I think we, you know, he he needs to be, he needs to be held a little bit accountable for, for his performances because he's one of our, he's one of our top players apparently. And and he's just not performing. hasn't performed for a long period of time. And I think that's, that's worth mentioning, but I mean, let's move on now. I think, you know, we've talked, we've done, we've done the game to death. We've talked about, um, you know, the, the negatives. Let's talk about some of the, some of the positives, um, I thought Ezri Konza, Jugsie on on against Newcastle on Friday night was one of our best players alongside Dougie Louise and again Matt Target, uh, had a solid performance again. But Ezri Konza especially, I thought considering how bad Mings was that game, Ezri Konza really stood out, and again another assured performance and and apparently very close to a an England call up. What have you made of? Uh, Esri's continued impressive performances and and do you think he's got his, his call-up, if he gets it, will be deserved?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's not put a foot wrong all season and he's showed all elements you need as a, as a centre-back, really. So I just feel like the strides he's made this season have been uh, a massive positive. Um, he's a player that really struggled last season, early on, uh, with his positioning, especially um, I thought he got Drawn out of position quite easily, and I think Terry did some work on him. But from that period where we came back from from the first lockdown, he's just improved game by game, and he's bailed out Mings a couple of times and showed he's got all elements as as, as a defender needs. Really, he's got that recovery p- pace. He's good at anticipating the danger 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 areas, um, and he deserves to be the England squad, possibly ahead of Mings if I, if I'm being honest based on his performances this season and. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good to see him in the squad and have a chance for the Euros. I think he deserves that. And on form, um, I mean, he's up there with with the best in the league. I'd say. Uh, obviously, you got the likes of Ruben Diaz, who's done well, Stones and Maguire have done well as well. But he's up there for me. And I, I thought I'd mention Dougie Louise's performance as well. I thought his performance was was really good. I th- thought he was excellent on the ball. And I think it's given me a chance to reflect really on Nakamba and Louise and what I'd want from from a player and what I want, want in the team. And I'll definitely go for Luis, I think. I think, he, obviously, defensively, there are certain games that you probably want to play Nakamba. But I think Luis just gives us so much more. And if we want to be that progressive attacking side, then we need someone like Luis. I think N- Nakamba slows us down too much and we really struggle with him in the side um, to create opportunities or, or be an attacking threat. Um, so Luis, I thought he was really good defensively and he started a lot of our attacks as well. And um, just just lastly, I um, want to mention um, just on Smith again. Um, obviously, I've been critical of him in terms of his game management or team selection, but I still think he's the man for the job. I think it's okay to, to be critical of him um, because I think we need to realise sometimes and I, I, I make this mistake, he's only a season and a half in, into the Premier League. You've got managers like Moyes who've had successes, have had failures and they're only finding their feet now again. With with his stint at West Ham, so you've got to give him time. And having Smith as an attacking manager is, is is a dying breed, I think. I think you only got to look at Jose Mourinho's performance in the in the North London derby, how he set his team up. It's always defense first, and it just doesn't work. If you want to be a good side or a top side, that type of manager is, is, is redundant in the Premier League, I think. And Smith is the person that showed that we've got a foundation with the defense and he's that manager that can improve us from an attacking perspective and is always looking to, to take the game on so I thought I'd mention that
0: yeah I think that's a, that's a good point and you know Definitely, you know we've seen continuous improvement under under Dino, and he continues to have the right philosophy. And I think more importantly, with Dino, he says the right things at the right time. So post match interviews, you know, we saw it with Bruce, where he, you know, you'd, you'd watch a match and you, all the fans would be thinking one thing, and Bruce would come out with completely something different, and you'd be like, "What, what game has he been watching?" Whereas with Dino, I think he's more aligned with fans. Know, if, if it's poor, you'll say it's poor. If it's if it's amazing, you'll say it's amazing, and, and and you know he'll be very honest about it. And I think I think that's always a good sign of a manager. You know that the fact they're not deluded or or trying to cover up or or cover their own backs. You know that they're being upfront and honest, and I think that's important to to point. Right. Let's let's move on to um, the questions then and comments from from our listeners um, and get your views, and then just have a quick quick preview of the of the Spurs game as well. Before we finish off, uh, Ash Steven says, performances like Friday aren't freak occurrences. We struggle against the bottom half sides. The balance of the midfield is poor. And ultimately, we are a one-man team during 90 minutes and otherwise. There is no shame in that. Any side with a fan and captain as good as JG Grealish would be, you know, would be a one-man team. Uh, what sh- Chazzy, what's your thoughts on there about the bottom half sides? Because we have struggled. You think about the two games against Brighton, the two games against Burnley, Sheffield United at home and away weren't one of the best performances, although away was obviously much better without the result. Newcastle, we beat him 2-0 comfortably, but didn't really get out of second gear. And then away obviously we struggled against them. Do you I mean do you think we're better suited to those to the the better, bigger and better teams because of how good we are on the counter, or or do you think it's it's, it's not as as deep as that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think um we're clearly set up and we've clearly got the personnel to to play on the counter and not necessarily dictate the play all the time. You know the Arsenal away performance just sums that up for me. Um, how clinical, how effective we were on the break. Yeah, Barkley, Grealish, Watkins, McGinn's energy from midfield, um, and yeah, when when teams do let us have the ball or when we're expected to be the ones that are going to, got to go and be the aggressors, we don't we don't sort of find it as natural. And um, <laughs> again, coming back to the fact without Grealish, that's even more. More prominent, um, but you know, I think that's that's just the nature of how we play. And you know, Manchester United is second in the league, and that's a criticism that's been levelled at them as well. You know, they they find it difficult to break down your Sheffield Uniteds and, and your West Ham and people like that. But given Man City away, they'll go and battle them on the counter attack. So um, yeah, it, it you can't be great at everything. It, it's it's like I keep saying, we're a work in progress, and. We're going to have to try and find a way now to to develop our play and find new ways to break teams down, and that that's clearly something that they'll identify and, and hope to improve next season. So um, it is a pattern, uh, definitely.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's sort of all valid points. Uh, ben Davis uh, says, you know, assess our year overall. And we should all be pleased. A few off the ball. Not sure. our Low knees cutting it. I counted three times. he gave the ball away in dangerous positions. Had a huff, and once they hit the bar from it, yeah, true. We talked about that already. Jess, Martinez, Conza, Louise, and McGinn are only good performers. Friday, I, I didn't think McGinn was any good, to be honest. Uh, we do not have good enough squad to carry half the team when they don't perform. We are in a very fortunate position to have owners that will continue to invest heavily. Form is temporary. Trust the process. Awab Nawari says, "Do you think the COVID break has affected us? It seems to be we aren't the same team. We aren't the same team since." gone from being one of the most exciting teams to one of the most boring, it seems. And, and someone else uh, said something similar in terms of Nick oh, So Nick Carver said, seems to have changed our game to be hard to beat rather than being high energy, high pressing like we were early in the season. Is this a reaction to COVID effects, general fatigue, fear of being hit on the counter as against Burnley, West Ham? What, what do you make of that, Juggsy? Because there definitely has been a change in tact. You know, we have become much more harder to beat. I mean, we were always harder to beat, regardless, but we definitely aren't as pressing as high. And, and one thing I... I was critical of, of the performance on, on Friday night was the fact that Newcastle are terrible and we didn't press them at all. We just stood off them and which I, I didn't think was the right tactic. But do you think do you think there's 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 more to it than that? And we've talked about long COVID before and obviously Chadzi suffered from it and he knows all about it in terms of fatigue. But do you think that's, that has anything to do with it or do you think it's just, uh, just one of those things?
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, probably an element of both. I think we came back from the break, uh, probably taking a couple of games to get up to speed and Smith thought look, we're not going to be playing the attacking football or sort of doing the, the counter-attacks like we normally do. So it's going to take us a couple of games to get back up to speed. So we thought, why not build a solid foundation? And I think Smith's in that we've not really improved um, our attacking play. So maybe he's gone again with that mentality of, of keeping a solid base. And um, obviously you can pick up still pick up results like the Leeds game showed where or Southampton game showed where... If you nick a goal and you're solid enough and don't give many chances away, there's every chance you can get three points. So again, it goes against what Smith's sort of ethos is, Um, but maybe he's had his hands tied. So we don't know what the level or condition of some of the players are. I mean, it's it's an odd one because I think Trezeguet, when he's come off the bench, he's looked really unfit. And I thought last game, well, last couple of games he's looked better. So I think he's, again, appro- improving. But we don't know which players have been affected by it and what Grealish's injury is to an extent either. So there's probably several things going on behind behind closed doors that we're not aware of, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's still a couple of players uh, feeling the effects, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and, and another another point that um, someone else has made, Chatsy, uh Boise. Not, not to do with COVID, but some, something else we've seen, a recent change that Smith's talked about. Uh, Boise says, maybe nothing in this, but did adjusting training time to 12pm affect performances? the correlation between the two just seems a bizarre thing to do? The City and the other elite teams do it? So this is a story that came out, obviously, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, or or within the last couple of weeks, that Um, Dean Smith has has adjusted our training time from the usual, I think it's 10, 10.30, which most clubs do, to to 12 o'clock, because he says modern footballers basically don't have the same kind of routine that Old school footballers did in terms of going to bed, etc. They'll be up to like one, two, playing video games, etc. Uh, late at night, and then this allows them to be fresh and better for training. Um, I mean, do you, think, do you see as a positive? Do you has it any impact at all, or do you think it's just one of those things? that no coincidence, no correlation at all.
1: Well, it's not something Dean Smith would have just woken up and thought, "I'm going to make training a bit later." He'll be guided by the science. He'll be guided by ten sports analysts and sports scientists in the background who will have done extensive research and extensive uh, testing of the players to see what the output they're getting from them and I'm sure if they've if they've moved training time it's because they're, they are factually getting more out of the players during training at that time. They're running more, their fitness is better, their conditioning is better so uh, it's a non-issue for me really. If, if that's something they've decided to do then the uh, multi-million pound team in the background that are getting paid to work these things out scientifically are, are the ones that will have decided it.
0: Yeah, I think I think Smith did mention something about sleep analysts uh, in that interview that he did. So, yeah, I think there's, there's probably a lot to it that we don't know about. But anyway, we move on. You know, we've talked about the game. We've talked about, as always, when it's a negative performance or a negative result, I think we tend to talk more about the overall Themes of Villa and where we've gone wrong, rather than the actual game. But to be honest, there was nothing really to talk about the game. There was, a, a, you know, a game of very few chances. Probably Newcastle shady the game in terms of clear cut chances. Uh, you know, we should have done better on the break towards the end of the game. Definitely made the wrong decisions. Time well, throughout the game, really more more than anything else. But it just wasn't our day, and just wasn't a, wasn't the right performance that we needed. And hopefully, we bounce back against. Spurs, a team who just lost, obviously, the, the derby game against Arsenal um, 2-1, lost, Sons injured, Lamella's out for the game. And they've got European European Europa League tie against Dinamo Zagreb on Thursday, away from home. Um, so a few days before our game. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be tired. We've seen that before with, with the likes of Leicester City, who had a European game before us and they still turned up and we didn't. But... It's still a good opportunity to play Spurs. They're not in form, uh, lower confidence. Yes, how they've got Harry Kane and Gareth Bale, and you know, with them in the team, they're going to be dangerous no matter what. But it's still a good opportunity for us to to pick up uh, pick up the win again before before the international break, and maybe Jack will be back. What are your thoughts on the on the game, Jugsy?
2: I think it'll be quite a tough game. I think um, prior to the Northland Derby, Tottenham had a good run of results, and they were playing quite nice, attacking, fluid football. I think Son Son's injury obviously will be a blow to them, but I think Deli Ali um, is finding a bit of form again, so he'll come in centrally, and probably Lucas Moura will go out to the left, and they'll continue to play that sort of front four. Um, so, to be honest, I'm not expecting too much out of the game from from a Villa perspective. I think I think Spurs will win um, just because of obviously Harry Kane's quality in that final third. So, um,
0: I'm going for a Villa loss. Oh, I think that's the first time this season you've gone for a loss, Juggs. What's your thoughts, Shadzi, on the game?
1: Juggs, it couldn't be more wrong there. We're back on Sky. It's Sunday night, our favorite kickoff time. Sunday, 7.30. Jack's going to be back. We're going to win. We're going to move into the top eight above the champions, Liverpool. We're going to be flying. We're going to be in, on here on Sunday night, waxing lyrical about how far Villa have come and how good a job Dean Smith's doing and how good we are on the break and how effective we are against top eight teams. So I can't wait, mate. I really can't wait. I really think we're going to bounce back. Spurs do seem to be one of those sides that have the hoodoo over us, and a bit like Liverpool back in the day, they, and United that always come to Villa Park and win. And last season's result, um, when Sun scored that last minute winner, was absolutely crushing. And that I think that was the last time we were at Villa Park, actually, wasn't it? But um, now I've got a good feeling about it. I, th- I watched Spurs yesterday. I think. They've lost their way a bit. I know they've had a couple of good results before the game, but the, the players don't seem to be playing for Mourinho. They can't decide whether they want to be a counter-attacking team or, or you know, they've clearly got some brilliant players and they've got four or five world-class players compared to our, our one. Um, but I think we'll win, and um, Sunday nights just just seem to be the one for us. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Nice, I like it. I'm, cl- I'm clipping that for uh, for next week's show, mate. So hopefully you're right. Good. Um, but yeah, thanks, boys. I I, uh, I think it's going to be a draw, one-one, which I don't think is a terrible result. But uh, I, I'm hoping Jack's back. I'm hoping Jack's back. We don't know at the moment. It seems all a bit weird now. At the moment, I don't, I don't really get what's going on. He, it's, it's the same old story. As long with as Jack he's on the grass. Or any dream as Long as he's on the grass, he'd be fine. But then, he, oh, apparently he's ill. Uh, so I don't know. Just doesn't. I don't know. None of it sits right with me. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I think those villagers need to be straightforward and honest about it all. I get you know you don't want to give your opposition an advantage, but I mean I don't. I, I think I think if if he wasn't going to be if he was going to be in the side, then you might want to keep that quiet. Then I get that. But if he's going to be out, you might as well just say he's going to be out because they're either going to set up against him, and if he's not playing, then it doesn't matter because they're going to go come up against Algarzi or Trez and. Obviously, no, no offense to them, but they're nowhere near the standard Jack is. So they're, they're I think be you
1: I think Smith will come out on Thursday or Friday and say, "Yeah, he's had a good week. It's good to see him back, but Sunday's just going to come a bit too soon for him. But then he'll play him. That'd be nice.
0: I'll, I'll take that. Bit of a surprise. Bit of a bit a bit of a bit of a shock entrance would be good. But yeah, all right. Thanks, boys. Uh, Bit of a downbeat one again, unfortunately, uh, but it is what it is. Like I said, you know, you got to think about the short term and the long term and long term, we're moving in the right direction. We're heading the right way. We've got the right owners, we've got the right manager, we've got some of the right players. It will take a, a take a bit of time, it's a gradual process. We're in the second year in the development phase and probably is going to take five, six years. So just, just stick at it, you know, just remember where we're at, where we've been and uh, keep on believing, I think. I nearly said keep right on then, which is, which was, uh, which I would have canceled the show straight away after that. But <laughs> anyway, thanks boys. Thanks for your time again. Pleasure as always. Excellent analysis. as Cheers, always. Ames. We'll be back later on in the Cheers, week. Omar. Cheers, Adam. Cheers jokes. We'll be, we'll be late. We'll be back later on in the week with the, the preview show, the pre-match social. Uh, so check out that. Uh, we were previewing the Tottenham game in depth, and Meg's watch will be back. Don't worry. I it had its debut last week and, and got a lot of good feedback about that. So that'll be back. By the way, Newcastle United game, it was 2-1 to Newcastle. Trez got our, our only Megs of the game. But anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks to the boys. Accidental uh, as, well, usual, as well. Accidental as well. Always is with Trez. Uh, but thanks for listening and we'll be back, like I said, later in the week. Uh, please do subscribe and follow us if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter, at Villa Podcast, or one word, where you can leave your your thoughts and comments. I had a comment saying, where do I leave comments? Just just put it on Twitter if you can, or or on any of the social media channels. But thanks again, and uh, up the Villa.
1: Long live, Dean Smith. I love it, hmm. मैंने बहुत चंगा लगा।